Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you looking for that one-of-a-kind Christmas or birthday gift? If so, head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com and check out the best gifts for outdoorsmen for 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsmen on your list. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash best fishing gifts for outdoorsmen and check it out. And brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Hey guys, if you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and they do an incredible job around the state of Alabama and the Georgia, Tennessee. So if you're thinking about building a lake, if you're thinking about redoing an existing pond or lake that you have, restocking, fertilizing, liming, these guys do it all and they do it well. It's what they do for a living, so they're really good at it. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Brian Sin. Welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Appreciate you guys joining me today. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Brian Sin. Thank you for joining me today. Got some cold weather has rolled into Alabama, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I like it because it uh, gets me excited about uh, the deer hunting. I know this is a fishing show, and we're going to talk fishing, so y'all don't get nervous, but uh, this time of year, man, I kind of get, get excited about those whitetails. We, uh, I'm actually leaving tomorrow night, going to take my son. He's a senior and one of his buddies, and we're going to go up to Kentucky, western Kentucky, do a little public land hunting uh, in that area. First time going up there, but uh, looking forward to getting up there and enjoying it. It's going to be cold up there. It's going to be about 30 degrees and is the low, so be a little change but i i am looking forward to hearing how the fishing how this cooler weather has is affecting our fishing here in alabama so let's get started with segment one let's let's go to the coosa talapusa report and uh, i am looking forward to hearing about these giant stripe on lake martin with captain david Hare. captain david how are you my friend i'm doing good brian how are you doing today I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. I uh, appreciate you joining us today. I, we, You know, I was sitting here in the intro talking about the cooler weather. You ain't but just a little way south of me, and uh, so it's still a little cooler there, too. How's how's it affecting everything? And these fish are turned on. These stripers like this kind of weather, which has been really good now for well over two weeks, but uh, just, I mean, the cooler it gets, the better the bite is. The surface temps down to about 70 degrees. That's what it was this morning. The, You know, of course, the air temp was this morning about 45. But mm-hmm. but the surface temp on the water was 70, and I mean, those fish were on fire. Man, that's good. What, do, what changes with the fish? Oh, with this cooler weather, is it, is it the, do they, do they leave the deep water? Are you fishing more on uh, surface top water for them? Is that what kind of changes? No, uh, 
we had uh, two or three weeks there that we was chasing them around on top and had, had some really good action on top. But uh, as far as for the stripers that uh, they quit surfacing now, and uh, so we're back to catching them about 40 feet deep right now. And uh, and but this time of year they are just getting real big, thick schools. And uh, and I mean when you find them, uh, if you put down what what they want, I mean it's just you can just sit there and just catch, 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 catch. You know it's uh. This past weekend, I don't. We must have caught a couple hundred stripers between all my boats. Dang. Uh, yeah, and then this week, like like yesterday and today, I, I had a two boat trip both days, and I mean we just, I mean we just slayed them. I mean it's, you know, you you just you just catch till your clients say, hey, I don't want to reel another one in, or or let's just go somewhere else, just just for a different scenery, you know, and, and most all of our, you know, most all of our regular spots that we stop at this time of year, we, we'll get on fish. Man, that is awesome. I know that, you know, we've, we, you, you're on here pretty regular and we've talked about it in the summer about, you know, y'all are still catching fish in the summer, but it seems like you always look forward to this time of year, right? I, I do. I do. It's just, and, and I'm not saying that we're catching 30 and 40 pound fish right now because we're not. We're catching we're catching five to 15 pound fish, and uh, and the clients love catching those. It, it's you know you, you're not waiting very long on a bite once it starts. You know once you get on them. I mean, well well like like Saturday, I normally have about six rods, and, and uh, Saturday I couldn't put put out more than three rods Saturday. I mean it was it was I, just I that much action. Keep, oh yeah. I mean I couldn't hardly keep up with three rods for the clients Saturday and uh I mean one of my boats boated fifty one. I, I think uh my boat probably boated thirty or forty. My other boat I know he he boated over forty. Now we're not keeping all those fish, you know, but but sure. we're boating that we're boating that many a day and uh if you uh go to a spot and you happen to get on a bunch of sure enough small fish right now if you'll just move and go to another spot you know you'll find a school of bigger fish and if you don't mind sitting and waiting the bigger fish will come in there even where those little bitty ones are and uh now what do you call little bitty uh, I'm talking about one to two pound fish. I'm talking about some that hadn't been in here, but you know, a year or, or so, you know. Right. But they, you know, sometimes you you'll get one of those schools, and and uh, you know, if if your clients like catching those, you know, you can uh, you can start catching those on artificial, dropping a hair jig down or something, and bouncing it around on on real light spinning rods. And they can just sit there and just have a blast doing that. But the ones that want some bigger fish to carry home to eat, and uh, you know, if we have to, we'll just go to our next spot. You'll you'll find those bigger fish, you know, on some of your better spots this time of year. And that has to be a real, real. I'm talking about a real drastic change in weather conditions once this bite starts like it has 
for for you to have a bad day. I mean, most you can just about bet that every day is going to be good, and unless you just have some kind of crazy, crazy, drastic change, and it's only going to shut them off for for maybe a day if that happens. Yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. So when you're leaving that small school of fish and you're going and catching bigger one i mean what size i mean y'all are obviously catching a ton right now but if somebody's gonna come out there and and they're wanting to get on some of these bigger stripers i mean what what is kind of the the upper range of that right now are you catching the 20 pounders not yet we will we that could start tomorrow or it might be next week uh but we always catch a lot of twenties and thirties, like uh, around thanks, you know, starting around the week of Thanksgiving or the week before Thanksgiving. So that's the reason I say that that class fish can start back any time now. Uh, right now, right now the fish we are catching are like I say five to fifteen pounds, and uh, you know if if they're wanting fish to carry home to eat, uh, we perfect. can keep a lot of. Yeah, yeah, we can keep a lot of the uh, short fish, which are under 22 inches, and then of course, uh, the if they're 22 inches and longer, you can only keep two per person, including you and keep two for me. Uh, but you can catch and release all you want to, uh, especially this time of year. I mean, they're they're in awesome shape. I mean, you turn them loose and they're out of there. Two questions right here. One, the first question is the the stripe that you're catching. These are the, the there's two kind of stripes. There's one that we think of as a as a hybrid stripe, and he might get, you know, you might catch a five, six, seven, eight pounder. I don't know. And then there's the stripe that you're fishing for that does get up to that twenty and that thirty pound. So my question is, am I correct in that there's two different species of stripes? And my second part of the question is are all these stripes you're catching that you you know that get big are they do they lay eggs and are they all stock fish that they're all stock fish but the the salt the saltwater stripers they do everything you know the the females you know they're they're spawning the males, fertilizing the eggs. The eggs just do not develop in Lake Martin. So all these fish are stocked. Okay. Now, mine, mine, that's the saltwater stripe, that, which that's what our lake is known for. The hybrid stripe is what I've always called a man-made stripe. And my understanding is they don't, they don't produce anything. Uh, you know, regardless of where they're at, you know, they don't produce anything. And then you got what some people call white bass, some call them river mm-hmm. stripes, uh, some call them native stripes. And they're, they're just, now they, they reproduce in the lake. And those are more like a crappie size up to it. If you catch a white bass that weighs, two pounds you got a great big one you know right yeah they just don't get it right right and and to me they don't eat good some people like them i but i'm so used to eating these saltwater stripes they're they're the best that's the only fish i keep for my family i don't keep bass i don't keep 
I, I don't keep bass. I don't keep crappie. I don't keep white bass. I don't keep catfish. I'm talking about for myself because the saltwater stripe are just that much better. Wow. That's good to know. I've never, I've never had one. So, uh, I need to get down there with you and catch a fish and uh, bring a couple home. What time of the year do they stop stock the stripe and how, how many do they stock a year? Now it varies on how many they stock. The least I've ever known that they stocked was 140,000 and the most was 500,000. And that's every year. And that's every year. And it'll be everything in between. So I, so I've always, I've always said that they average probably two hundred fifty thousand a year. You know, are they stocking and, uh, like are are they uh, are they stocking when they're like five six inches? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call them fry. It's almost just just like they, yeah. You know, it's just a tanker truck. You know, just yeah. a fish truck. They could they'll back down to a boat ramp, open a valve, and away they go. Well, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking if you if you stocked them, you know, two three inch size, then so many of them are going to get eaten by the bass and the crappie and the other stripe. Where if you if you you know if they stock in six inch fish, you probably got a lot higher survival rate. Yeah, according to the uh, according to the biologist that had a meeting with uh, a few of us a few years ago. A sixty-five percent survival rate, and they said that the saltwater stripe has a thirty-year life expectancy. Now that, that that doesn't mean every striper lives to be thirty years old, but right. But you know, they where the hybrids didn't live very long, the salts live a lot longer. So I guess in the long run, it's cheaper for them to stop the saltwater stripe than it was the hybrids. Absolutely. And yeah, if you start adding from the time they started stocking these, if they're averaging two hundred fifty thousand a year, I mean, you're only look, you know, and you're you've got, uh, you know, even a fifty percent survival rate. Man, the fishing just gets it, just get more and more every year. Right. Just keeps building right. on itself. Right. And my understanding is they base their stocking program on the amount of bait that's in the lake and what they're calculating that's going to be in there for the coming year so they're i guess in a way they're trying to control the bait population so the bass and the crappie Mm. and the stripers and the brim they all have plenty to eat but they don't have so much that it that they've taken the lake over I just figured they called you every year and said, Captain David, how many did y'all catch and keep this year? So we'll, we'll know how many to stop. <laughs> I, uh, they, they had asked us years ago to fill out paperwork, you know, and, and, uh, we all uh, said that we would do it. And, uh, and, but when we got the paperwork, it was a lot more than just how many you caught. They it was a little bit of too much information that some of them were wanting, and I I I understand why they wanted it, but you couldn't give out all the information that was asked on that piece of paper, or everybody and the brother would know where every fish was and what you were catching them on and everything else. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, you don't want. Yeah, you can't do that. No, yeah. no. I mean, uh, 
It was a little too too personal. Right. <laughs> you got a little too personal. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> See, we try yeah. not to do that. We get pretty personal on here, but we, we don't yeah. actually ask you exactly where you were. We're not asking for coordinates or anything. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> there you go. There you go. But uh, they have, you know, they have a pretty good idea of how many fish are caught out of here. And, it, you know, we don't have pressure on them like bass fishermen have no. pressure on bass, you know, because it's just not that popular here. Everybody that does it loves to do it, and they come back and do it time and time and time again. But, but you know, a blind man would know there's more bass boats than anything on, on this lake, you know. Well, it's probably one of those things, which, of course, you know, the bass is the dominant, the dominant species we that people fish for here in the state. I mean, that's no secret. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's probably yeah. one of those things, too, though, where it's still kind of new to a lot of people. I, I've never caught a striped bass in my life. But it's one of those things yeah, where yeah. if I came down there and did it and, right. and booked a trip with you, and went, oh my gosh, now this is fun. We're catching a lot of fish and we're catching yeah. some big fish. I mean, I imagine that you guys uh, create a lot of uh, striped bass fishermen. Uh, I, we probably do. Uh, and the reason I say that is, I mean, I know we do because I'm sponsored, you know, by different boats and different motors and all kinds of tackle and this, that, and other. And, you know, just in the last two years, uh, one particular center console, I've, I've sold 20 for that company in two years. And, uh, wow. you know, and this was, and this was people that's never, never had a center console before. And I, and they wasn't know. getting that the bass fish out of, they were wanting to strike fish. No, no, sir. No, sir. And I don't know how many you know, hummingbirds and Minkota trolling motors and rods and reels and stuff, you know, that people have bought just from being out fishing with us, you know. That's awesome. And uh, and a lot of people, you know, have fished for a certain species all their life and and are looking for something different to do. You know, sure. they, they, still, they still want to fish, but they want to try something different. You Absolutely. Know, I mean, it's, you know, it's just like... Uh, just like anything, I mean, you know, they just want to try something different, and a lot of them come out here and just love it. And uh, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like this weekend. Tomorrow evening, I'm gonna be headed up to Western Kentucky deer hunting. I go to Kansas deer hunting, right? Uh, right. And I go there for the opportunity to kill a big deer, yeah, uh, sure. a better yeah. opportunity that I'm gonna have here in Alabama. Where if you want an opportunity to catch a big fish. You can just come down there and catch a strike with y'all. You ain't yeah, got to go all Kentucky to do that. Well, hey, yeah. Captain David, if, if somebody does want to uh, to book a trip with you, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? Either call or text me at uh, 256-401-3089. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to write that number down, just just pull it, you know, just Google us, Ellick City Guide Service, Lake Martin. We're easy to get a hold of, and uh, got we run several boats, and, uh, you know, I don't require a deposit. I'm one of those old trustworthy people. If you tell me you're coming, we just expect you to come. You'll be sitting at the boat ramp waiting on them. That's right. 
Well, before I let you get out of here, you know, I got to get a tip of the day. So what would your tip of the day be for somebody that's going to come up there this weekend and try to catch a striped bass? I guess my tip uh, for for this week, because we are going to see it, don't let high winds and bad weather keep you away this time of year if you're striper fishing, because it normally actually turns them on. Just dress for it. Like I was saying earlier, this past weekend, we, you know, we had some 20 mile an hour winds out there and, you know, in between all my, my boats, you know, we, we boated over 200. Yes. Just come on, be prepared for the cold, but also be prepared to catch a lot of fish. Man, that's good stuff. Thank you, Captain David. Appreciate you calling in today. It's a great report. Sounds like that it is a amazing time to book a trip with you guys. And, uh, and come catch some stripes at Lake Martin, man. It's, uh, doesn't sound like it can get a whole lot better. You say it's even going to get better, but it sounds like it's oh, really, yeah. really good right now. It's really, really good. And from here on out, it'll just keep getting better. That's awesome, man. Hey, we'll catch up with you real soon and get another report for you from you. Uh, appreciate yeah. you getting on and be safe out there, brother. I hope you and your son get that deer this weekend. I hope we do too. All right, man. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. See ya. See ya. All right, guys, let's take just a minute and hear from one of this week's sponsors. One in four hooks in the world is made by Mustad Fishing. See why they're the best-selling hook brand in the world and enjoy 25% off your next order at mustad-fishing.com by using code GREATDAYS at checkout. And brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it's a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items are also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or a knife. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And brought to you by Photonis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonis 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, man, great report from uh, Lake Martin with a striped bass fishing. My goodness, man, sounds like these guys are just wearing it out right now. And it uh, sounds like it's also only going to get better. So get down there and try to take advantage of some of the striped bass fishing that, uh, that the state offers. I'm sure it's the same way 
at Smith Lake right now as well. Uh, so we've got, we've got some options, but let's get to our second report, uh, for segment number two, let's go to the Tennessee river and talk to Alex Davis. What's going on, Alex? Oh, not much. Just, uh, dealing with all of a sudden the winter that we've all of a sudden gotten brought to us. It rolled in, didn't it brother? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have fall. We skipped from 80 to, uh, forties and I'm not, I can't say I'm thrilled about it. <laughs> you ain't a deer hunter though see us deer hunters we thrilled about it <laughs> oh no i'm ready to go deer hunting they just the problem is where i hunt in alabama deer hunting is not really a thing till like january they don't rut till january so i've got uh i got some time on, i got some time on my hands well that's exactly why i'm going to kentucky this week uh tomorrow evening actually i'm leaving going up there because uh, they are in full rut right now they are wide open so I'm looking forward to getting up there this weekend and uh, hopefully get on something. But, man, how's this cool weather uh, affecting the fish up there on the Tennessee River? Well, it made frog fishing really good for a, just a couple days. I had probably the best couple of frog days I had last week. And then it started getting really windy. And it was really windy for about three days. And then it got even worse on the weekend. And I actually went, I didn't fish this weekend. Uh, I went to the World Series. Go Braves. What? And the, yeah, I got, I got to go to a World Series game. And then I went, I went to uh, on Monday where I'd been catching them on Friday and everything is gone. The grass is gone. The grass just, I mean, when it, that water temperature gets to a certain point, it just falls out. Well, they make mats. And then the problem is, is the mats all when they get really good they're hanging on by a thread and then they blow away oh it's it, it, there's not much holding them so then when the wind kicks up it instantly just blows the mats away so virtually when the mats get right to frog fish as soon as any wind hits they get gone man do you just and, all right so i'm i'm just visualizing this I, all right so the mats they float off but surely they go i mean surely they land somewhere can you no? Did, did, I, do they I, I not? Wish, I wish I I wish I had the answer. Uh, the biggest the way to look at it is it's like a pizza, and if you don't cut any slices in a pizza, it'll stay together as a whole pizza. But when you start cutting slices out, like if you start if there's a big mat and you start making people make you know people make trails and tra trails through the grass mat. Problem is is when you cut a trail, all of a sudden you've made a pizza slice. As soon as the wind blows, it blows that piece out. It's gone. And then it and just then breaks blow, up in a bunch of little places. Then, then you cut new trails. And then when the wind blows, that, that piece, that chunk's gone. So it kind of whittles away to nothing. And it's really good when it does that because it obviously concentrates the fish to itty-bitty mats. That's when you can have your best frog fishing. The problem is, is when finally all those mats are gone, now you're sitting there looking like, well, I caught them there the other day, but there's nothing you can even throw a frog at now. Wow. Like totally different. Yeah. Oh, so, like you, it, it'll actually make you really scratch your head. You will show up to a place <laughs> and it's gone. Like where you actually caught them, there is not even, there's it's nothing. Bare. It's not there. And it's oh, like, oh, goodness. no. Usually you can keep going and finding more. Like usually it's the mats real close, but I, I guess it must have blown really hard la latter part of last week and on the weekend because it just is gone. Like it's just, a lot of it's just gone. So it's, uh, it's kind of been unfortunate circumstances. Uh, we did catch a bunch on the Alabama rig this week. We had one trip in about two and a half hours in the afternoon. We caught about 60, which the size isn't there. 
most of them are smaller, but catching 60 in a couple hours oh, is pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Yeah, no so doubt about now, it. So now we're getting into more A-rig season coming, uh, swim bait season. So it's, that's what's kind of kind of half. That's what's going to happen in the next few weeks is they'll get they're they're chasing bait. Uh, they're really on shad, so it'll kind of transition over. I hate to say it, but I think I think the frog fishing might be officially over. Well, what um when you're fishing like the A rigs and stuff like that, uh, are you targeting since the grass is gone? Are you targeting more like laydowns, or is there a certain depth no, that so you're fishing? When I say when I say the grass is gone, the mats are gone. The mats they're are still, gone. Still submerged grass. So now. Instead of fishing matted grass and throwing a frog and flipping and punching, now you're fishing like grass points, the outside edges, the grass humps, and you're throwing more moving baits, you know, mm. uh, jerk baits, chatter baits, Alabama rigs. So you're just kind of just changing things. They're starting to chase shad and really feeding up on shad. The shad's coming shallow, especially in the afternoons. They start schooling on shad. So just kind of transition. It's just different. I just, I hate to see the frog fishing go. I know, man, because it's so fun. And, as, and, and you know, Gunnersville is yeah, it's one of the things it's known for and is great frog fishing. So to see it go that quick, I know, I know that's disappointing to you. Do the majority of the fish... When this water cools off like that, do are they moving up to the shallower water? They're following the shad. They're moving up shallower. Do you still fish offshore any this time of year, or do you mainly stay shallow? I don't fish offshore this time of year. I stay shallow. Like I said, I fish just points in the grass, humps in grass, grass humps, uh, any kind of little ditch in the grass. That's what I kind of relate to. You're still offshore but you're not offshore deep. Right. Deep. So mm-hmm. still, still off the bank, but you're not fishing deep, no. like, you know, ledges, stuff like that. It's, you're not 25 foot. Bank. Right. No, no. I'm like six to 10 foot. Right. It, it amazes me, you know, cause you, with, with me having, you know, getting to talk with, with, with guys like yourself all over the state and different lakes is, is so amazing to hear the difference of what fish do in, in different lakes. I mean, like you follow, you know, we had, uh, had Clayton on last week talking about you follow. He won't, I mean, even this time of year, he's not going shallow. He stays, he's, he's catching his fish 25 feet and he'll, and he'll do that all through the winter, uh, 25, yeah, 30 foot deep. And I'm glad, I'm glad we don't have to do that. That would drive me crazy if I had to do that all year long fish deep like that. So it is weird. Different lakes. It's different weird. Things. Some lakes they go really shallow, and some they stay deep. Which I guess that's just uh, that's how she that's how she is. So I'm with you, man. I li- I like it when they move up and give you some. I like fishing that grass, yeah, and, and chasing those shallower fish. It's just fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is fun, however you can catch them. But that that's good stuff. So man, will will the will the fish stay shallow? I mean, how long will you will you fish this pattern? I mean, when that water temperature gets to a certain point. Will they change again, uh, or will you kind of stay on this pattern for a while? So they're going to stay on this pattern for a while. They'll move around, but from pretty much now till they actually probably go spawn again, they will stay in that 6 to 10 foot on outside grass lines. Now, they will move as far as in creeks. You know, they, you know they'll go from the backs of the creeks. That's just typically what fish do in the fall is they go in the backs of things. And then they'll work their way and progress their way out to the main lake. So that's exactly what the, these fish are going to do. You know, they're going to 
they're gonna they're gonna go wherever the bait is and the bait's going the back of the creeks and then the bait's gonna move its way throughout the winter to more towards the main lake area so they're gonna stay on this pattern as far as like what you're looking for and how to catch them but they will change areas of the lake or areas of creeks that's good stuff man that's good stuff and so right now when the you know what you're doing is is uh, i know you said a rig and you said some other ones but what's some of the other stuff you're going to besides the a rig um a rig jerk bait chatter bait uh rattle trap you know you can throw a square bill just anything you just you know you want it to hit the grass tick the grass and rip it loose pop it loose cause a reaction bite so all swim baits i mean it's all gonna anything shad imitators that's the main thing they're, they're eating shad so you want to be able to imitate that there you go. All right, man. Well, somebody is going to come up this weekend. You know, I got to get a tip of the day from you. So what would your tip be if somebody's coming up to Gunnersville this weekend? Whatever you're throwing, make it as realistic as possible because there's about 30 million shad in the lake. So you're competing with the real thing. So whatever it is, just try to make it small and as real as possible. That's a great tip, Alex, man. We appreciate it. If somebody wants to come up and book a trip with you, Guys, y'all just heard it. What'd you say? Y'all caught 60? Uh, I mean, y'all catching, y'all putting some numbers in the boat. So if somebody wants to come up and book a trip with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can call me at 256-298-1178 or get on my website, which is spinnerbaitkid.com. Has my information, has my email address. Send me an email, send me a text, anything you want to do. Beautiful, man. Thank you, Alex. Stay safe out there, brother. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. All right. All right, guys, let's take another minute, take another little short break and hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a minute. Fishing Chaos invites all high school and college and social fishing teams to create a free team or club on the Fishing Chaos platform. Clubs can hold tournaments within the high school team or invite rival clubs and teams to compete in CPR, which is catch photo release, events, as well as live weigh-in events, as Fishing Chaos supports most any tournament format. The addition of the new Fishing Chaos Club Management platform allows teams and clubs to easily communicate with their members about upcoming events. It automates the tracking of Angler of the Year or Team of the Year series standings and collects all angler results. If you're interested in setting up a free team or club or in hosting a tournament on the Fishing Chaos app, please contact Fishing Chaos today at fishingchaos.com or call Jesse Wilson at 256-508-1853. And brought to you by MB Ranch King Hunting Blinds and Feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. Welcome back, guys. Hey, we got two great reports already, right? I mean, two different species of fish, and it sounds like that that they're still catching a lot of numbers uh, on, on on both species, and, and with the bass and the stripes around the you know state right now, uh, unfortunate the for the frog biting gunners for that the wind kind of blew that up, but 
still catching a lot of fish. So that's always a positive. So segment three today, let's, you know, I love having our management minute with Norma Latina on here, Southeastern Pond Management. And uh, so let's join Norman and, and get this thing rolling. Welcome back to the show, Norman. Hey, Brian. How are you, buddy? Doing good, man. Doing good. And just glad to have you back on here. I know it's something that our listeners always uh, enjoy and and learn a lot. And I learn a lot too, man. So it's always a good time having you on the show. Oh, great, great to be here. I enjoy it as well. Well, you know, we're 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 in the wintertime. Uh and and when I, you know, personally when I'm thinking about ponds in, in the winter, you know, we start we start thinking about the spring and, 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 you know, what I'd love to talk about today were some maybe best practices during the winter, uh, to prepare my pond to be the best that it can be in the upcoming year. I mean, you know, other times of the year, we're talking about, you know, stocking or, or we're talking about fertilizing, weed control, whatever it may be. But in the winter, what can I be doing that was going to benefit my pond that time of the year for the upcoming season, spring and summer? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and, uh, most folks, as you said, not really thinking about their pond as we move from fall into the winter and the, and the weather's, the water temps are dropping and, hunting season's cranked up, but, uh, there's actually, it's a great time, the very best time to lime, uh, ponds. And so that's an activity that we concentrate on doing in the wintertime. We have to kind of duck and dodge around the weather, uh, you know, cause we also tend to get more rain and nasty weather in the wintertime, but, but it's a fantastic time to lime. Uh, it's not interrupting your fertilization program that time of the year. Uh, it's also, uh, you don't run as great a risk when you lime in the wintertime as stimulating aquatic plant growth. Sometimes if you lime in the warm weather months, uh, or the plants that are growing down in the bottom, the nuisance plants we don't want, well, they take advantage of that stuff too. They love that lime too, and, and it can cause them to kind of explode. So uh, the be- the very best time of the year to lime is after that water temp drops down, you know, in the 60s or below. You start getting into the, into late October, November, and we do a heck of a lot of liming in November, December, January, and February. And let that stuff get down there on the pond bottom, do its magic, affect the the bottom muds, the water chemistry, raise the alkalinity in the the hardness, the pH and alkalinity, and that way when the water uh, the days start lengthening and and the water starts to warm in in early March, uh, we start our fertilization program and we're in great shape. Dumb this down for me because I'm not a very smart guy. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> it what I what am I trying to accomplish when I'm liming? I know that liming has affects my fertilize. So when if I'm fertilizing my pond, I know that liming has an effect on that. But kind of explain that relationship. I think you touched on it a little. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I'm kind of slow, so you might need to, to, to dumb it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so, so here's what we're doing. It's the same concept, same same application as liming crop fields or food plots for, for deer, which most of the listeners are probably real familiar with. So what we're attempting to do is to increase the, the, the alkalinity uh, of the soil on the bottom of the lake. Just like when we lime a, a food plot, we're, we're, we're impacting, we're affecting the alkalinity, the pH at, on the surface soils. On a pond, the, 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 the soil is at the bottom under the water. So, uh, we're, we're applying lime to the surface of the water. It doesn't really dissolve. It just rains down to the bottom where it lays on the bottom of the pond in those in those acidic bottom muds. Our soils typically in most areas in the southeast are, are very acidic. In some areas they're extremely acidic. You can pretty much if you if you if you grow pine trees on your property effectively and pine trees grow well, you can bet your soils are naturally acidic. Mm-hmm. And so that's the majority of the area in the southeast. So Lime neutralizes that acidity. It increases the the hardness and the alkalinity. It stabilizes the pH, and so it's it really affects the water, the water chemistry. And alkaline water, as a result of alkaline soils down in the bottom, is more conducive to uptake of the nutrients, the inorganic fertilizer that we apply to grow plankton. So not to get too terribly complicated, but a pond that has a stable pH, a high alkalinity above a kind of a threshold point that we, so we raise the alkalinity up and stabilize that pH. And the fertilizer that that we then put out in the spring and summer instead of getting bound up just through chemical process in the in the acidic bottom muds it it releases into the water and it's taken in by the planktonic algae that gives the pond that green color what we call a bloom that's desirable in a, in a in a managed pond so it's a very very important i would even say foundational principle of pond management it's one of the cornerstone management inputs you know i've told folks more times than i could count if you're not liming and fertilizing your pond you're really not managing your pond i mean it's not the most glamorous stuff to do uh you know you don't see anything instant you know it's not like adding fish or putting in fish feed and you watch them come up and eat or even spraying weeds where you see the stuff die over a short period of time. So you don't really notice it, but believe me, it has a, a, a huge impact on the water chemistry, which ultimately uh, is is what fish production's all tied to. That's why, you know, you hear about the, the black belt in West Alabama and East Mississippi where, uh, all the catfish farms are and all the aquaculture operations. Well, that's in the most alkaline soil uh, in the whole southeast of the United States, and the water chemistry is fantastic for growing fish. And uh, so that's what we're trying to accomplish 
when we put lime out when we lime fish fish pond. yeah and 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 that makes total sense and i mean i grew up in west alabama in that black belt area and then of course lived over in mississippi a good part of my adult life and and when you look at those black belt area coming through the delta of of mississippi um you can look at the fish and that's where the fish ponds are and there's and there's a reason for it you can also look at the size of deer they kill and there's a reason for it it's because the, the soil is producing better quality nutrients for the for the deer and on the same note if the water quality is better then it's producing a higher growth rate uh, for the fish and and i've seen this uh, i was able to see the results of this and you say it's not a immediate it's not an immediate maybe thing that you see as far as like compared to the like stocking you know uh stocking forage and things like that but it, it, it's not far behind it from what my experience with it is from a buddy of mine you know he was he was religiously, you know, he'd go out and, and he was fertilizing his ponds and just, I mean, he would get maybe a short-term kick and then it would be gone and he wasn't seeing the result. And he's like, I, well, he finally, he was like, oh, I don't need to lime it. Uh, it's not necessary. I'll just fertilize it. Well, what he figured out after he finally said, you know what? I need to lime it. And uh, he got you guys to lime his pond. The next time the fertilizer hit the water, it was a total game changer in his pond. And he, no doubt, yeah. the point that he came to, the conclusion that he came to is he said, you know what, Brian, all these years I've been fertilizing without liming, I was wasting my money. Now, maybe that's an exaggerated statement, but maybe it's not. No, it, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's a complete wasted effort, but I'll tell you what it is. It is a it's a it's a massive difference in terms of, you know, if you want to look at it from a standpoint of how many days during the growing season do I have a uh, an ideal uh, plankton bloom, and you know it's it's multiples when when you have good alkalinity and, and you could you can you can fertilize and fertilize and fertilize and that's a typical result you get a little bit of a flash bloom and then just as quick as it comes on it's it's gone and you just have to keep pouring more and more fertilizer in whereas and you're in your gain you're getting a bloom and you're losing a bloom you're getting a bloom and you're losing a bloom whereas when you when you have uh, adequate alkalinity uh, you you get that bloom and it tends to stay you, you still have to add fertilizer periodically because we get flow through and in sure. lakes but but it you just you just maintain that level much more consistent much more reliable results and and over the course of a growing season yeah I mean one single growing season it can be it can make a tremendous difference ultimately what it's doing is it's when there's more plankton in the water over a longer period of time there's more food for the little zooplankton the little tiny insects and animals that feed on the phytoplankton and then there's more uh, zooplankton for the for the the brim and the and the forage fish to, to to work on and so they grow faster and they reproduce more and and as a result of that, the bass have more to eat. So it, it's that whole food chain, and and really, 
liming is not only a link in the food chain, it's it's kind of the first link in the in the chain. And and you know the old adage, you know, the a chain's only as strong as its weakest link. So right. uh it's a very important management input. We we lime lakes it's a little more challenging to lime a lake than it is a field because yeah. uh you know we can't drive a spreader truck or a or a spreader behind a tractor over a over a pond so we have a specialized boat we call it a liming barge in fact we just built a brand new one that's a whole new design it's really cool looking and 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 we'll we'll use a we'll dump the lime usually in truckload quantities depending on the rate, the application rate, it may range from four tons to, you know, six or eight tons to the acre, okay, which is a lot, but we'll dump that lime on the bank. We take a front-end loader and scoop it up and dump it a, a ton or so at a time onto the onto the platform of the front of the boat, and we drive around the boat powered by an outboard motor, and we've got a big uh, eight-horsepower, ten-horsepower trash pump. And we we create a lot of uh, water pressure, and as we drive around, we we knock that lime off the deck with with the pump with the hose, and uh, and that stuff just rains down through the water column and sits on the bottom. I've actually seen a lake that drained, uh, had a dam rupture uh, not long after we limed and drained the sucker, you know, in a matter of a day and. Uh, you know, went out there and, and, and it looked like it had snowed on the bottom oh, of that lake. That lime was still just freshly coated. You know, it looked like a dusting of snow on the bottom of the lake. And and so, the and, and the reason we lime at, at, at that rate uh, is it, it it's a labor-intensive process. It makes a little bit of a mess. Uh, most lakes in the southeast that we deal with, need about a ton per acre per year to maintain an alkalinity above the threshold that we like to see, which is about 20 parts per million of calcium carbonate. We actually can test that. It's one of the things we do routinely with customers. And rather than than doing that a ton per acre per year, we'll do four or five or six tons per acre and only have to lime every four or five years, if that uh, makes sense. That so was my next question. Kind of the more you, yeah, the more the more you put, the longer it lasts. Uh, there are other factors that determine how frequently you have to lime. The the biggest one is lakes that have heavy heavy flow through. They need to be limed more frequently than lakes that that have minimal flow through. So there's some variation you know, on, depending on site, but typically, you know, a, a ton per acre per year is what it's going to come out to, you know, and, uh, we tend to try to do it every four or five years, you know, put four or five tons to the acre and, and, you know, our barge is capable of putting out 50, 60, 75 tons a day, sometimes even more. Uh, you know, on these bigger lakes, we'll dump truckloads in multiple locations so we don't have to spend time driving around with a, a ton and ton or a ton and a half of lime on the front of the boat. And, um, you know, in some of these bigger lakes, we'll put out several hundred tons, uh, makes a little bit of a, 
makes the water a little uh, murky and milky looking for a day or so. And after that, you'd never know, never know it, 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 it had been done because it's all sitting down on the bottom. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's it really interesting and, and, and so vital in the pond management, but it's, it's something I think that does probably get overlooked a little bit. What we run into as often as not uh, is folks will say, well, I've got a creek that feeds into my pond or, you know, I can get uh, a truck, a a spreader truck all the way around the the majority of the the pond. And, you know, why can't I just dump a, a big load up in the up in the mouth of this little stream that feeds the pond or drive a spreader truck around and just line the edges and, and, and accomplish what I need to by doing that. And, and, and what people need to understand is lime, even though it's, it's super fine, it's, it's, it's very fine particles, ag, ag lime. When you first apply it, it looks like it's dissolving because it colors the water milky and so you get the impression that it's spreading all over the whole lake but all ag lime is is crushed limestone it is rock and water will dissolve pretty much anything over time over months and years but it's not going to dissolve rock quickly enough to effectively uh, change the water chemistry if you put it in one spot, you could dump a load of of pebble-sized limestone in a in one spot in a lake, and ten years later, ninety percent of that pebble limestone is going to be still sitting there, right where you, know? you put it. So, mm-hmm. right where you put it, uh, because it doesn't dissolve rapidly. It 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 breaks down over time in the mud in the bottom of the lake, just like it does on a crop field uh, or a food plot. You know, it's it's actually reacting with the soil. So to be effective liming a lake, you have to get out there on top of the, of the bottom of the lake. You got to drive a boat across. You have to lime the 20-foot deep water, the 12-foot deep water, the three foot deep water you know you've got to coat the bottom to be to be efficient and effective with it so we we run into that question a lot and that's that's why we go go through the trouble of loading it onto a barge and uh and 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 driving around and spreading it there there are some products out there that are designed to dissolve more readily the problem with with that approach is one they're expensive compared to to, to ag lime ag lime is cheap. cheap stuff i mean you can you buy it for eight ten twelve dollars a ton usually the freight to get it to the pond bank is more than the lime itself you know and, and some of these quick limes and and more readily soluble lime materials are, are, are you know multiples more expensive but the other thing is that stuff that dissolves readily it also dissipates readily so you know it it doesn't have staying power whereas the ag lime that doesn't dissolve instantly or quickly it sits down there on the bottom and over the course of months and even years it keeps having 
the effect that you're looking for. So, you know, we have fiddled with different stuff over the years and, and listen, that's, it's the old fashioned way to do it, but it is certainly the most effective way. And it is very effective if we come in and, and lime a lake. Yeah. And it's, and it's very important and, uh, for the quality of the lake and, and get that bloom going. And I like the picture you painted too, Norman, it, you know, cause I've heard people myself talk about, you know, they've got a, a good water source coming into the, the lake that maybe they have a, uh, a consistent running Creek that's, that's feeding their, their lake. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, but you can't, you're right. Um, it's lime is a rock. It's, it's just crushed rock. And it's it's going to go to the bottom. You might could get away. You might could get away with that in a certain size pond with fertilize. You maybe, I don't know. You, you, I could see where you could pour fertilize in, in there and, and the, the currents of the water will eventually spread it around the lake. With, no with, question because that fertilizer instantly dissolves mm-hmm. and and that's a, and that's a fine practice for applying fertilizer so a, a bag of our sport max uh uh solute, water soluble pond fertilizer to, to the to the naked eye looks just like a bag of a 25 bag of, of crushed limestone they're both just white powdery looking material the difference is that that fertilizer is a crystal that instantly dissolves once it's in solution, it will be all over that lake in a matter of hours. Yeah. It, it, you know, they're just subtle currents Current, that, wind. that move. Right. And, but because it's in solution, it, it, it doesn't settle to the bottom. But that limestone, it just settles to the bottom pretty much where you drop it. Uh, and and that, that's the big difference. The, the other thing I'll say about liming, too, is uh, I have seen many, many times folks that struggle with suspended solids in their ponds. Maybe their pond stays turbid, muddy looking. That, that, is, that is commonly uh, associated with highly acidic conditions can create that issue and problem. And when you go in there and lime it, and you change the alkalinity and you buffer the pH it, it, it through through the change in the water chemistry it actually will take those uh, suspended solids that make the pond look kind of mun- muddy and dingy uh, and it, it will it will attract them together it'll make globules of that suspended material heavy enough to to sink to the bottom so it 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 has a, a a dramatic effect in some in in those situations even just in improve improving the the aesthetics of the water you know it takes that that dingy stained mm-hmm. water and and makes it you can just see it with your eyes that this is healthier better water for for fish production so it's it's as important as anything we do in pond management i've heard wildlife biologists say say it hundreds of times you know liming your food plots is the single most important thing you can do but you know i'm guilty too i that's probably one of the last things i think about i try to i try to do it because i know how important it is but it's just not a whole lot of fun and you don't get that instant gratification but it is really really important yeah no doubt about that well 
if some, you know, we're approaching that time of year, we're in that time of year uh, that, that people need to be doing that or thinking about it. And so if they want to contact you, uh, either schedule you to, to come put lime in or to come out and test their water quality and see what they need or if they need any. And if you're in Alabama, you probably need it in most, most areas. Uh, how do they need to contact you, Norman, to get that, to get that schedule, get you to look yeah, at Yeah, and that's a great point. We, we, we're happy to come out and check their water. We can tell them very quickly uh, what the alkalinity is and, and if they need to line. We don't charge to do that at all. That's a free service. We'll come out and do the test. They can also collect the sample, keep, uh, you know, collect the jar of water, keep it fairly cold, run it by one of our locations. We'll be happy to test it right there on site. Just pull a jar of water right off the surface is fine. Um, but folks can always contact me on my cell phone. It's 205-288-1371. And you can go to our website, com, and there's various ways to to get in touch with us uh off the off the website great stuff norman thank you buddy and uh that's that's good insight and uh, a lot of good information for pond owners right there and and it's that time of year guys so uh it's important give norman a call let him check your water out and uh, start thinking about putting some lime in your lake. Norman, we appreciate it, man, as always, and look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Hey, same here, Brian. All right. All right, guys, let's take just a brief minute and listen to a word from one of our sponsors. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. And brought to you by NorthAlabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you are experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land a big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. All right, Norman, great job. Always love having him on here. And uh, let's take a few minutes and, and hear from some of our sponsors. Great show today. We appreciate all of our callers. Appreciate Norman and Alex and, and, uh, and David calling in. And, uh, hey, it's water's cooling off, air's cooling off, fish are biting, and I'm hoping deer are going to be moving. So look forward to talking to you guys again next week. That's going to be a wrap for the show. If you're enjoying this podcast, as always, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review, uh, subscribe to the podcast, and, man, love to hear from you on writing a review. Uh, that'd be awesome as well. If you would want us to, if you want us to send, you the, send you the podcast every week when it comes out, 
all you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we will email you the show each and every week make it easy for you and you got to go look for it all right guys that's a wrap for today y'all stay safe out there we'll talk to you again next week this week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by BM Pole Company is more than just panfish. Check out their Sam Super Salt Series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish at bnmpoles.com. And brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt. Go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by Sun South. Strength, speed, and versatility. A winning combination on and off the field at Sun South. That's exactly what you get with quality John Deere equipment, affordably priced, and ready to tackle projects on your property. And brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs as well as motor sales and services and now they have a pro level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by boaterslist.com. Do you own your own company that needs to reach boaters, anglers, and marine enthusiasts? Sign up for free today to grow your business on BoatersList.com. And by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, FishBites.com.
All right, guys, that's going to be a wrap for the show. What a great show today. Sounds like the fishing is, is good right now. People are catching fish. It's always as amazes me how different lakes around our area and our state, people are catching them different. Some people are moving all the way back in the, in the back of the uh, creeks and, and to catch them and following the bait fish. And you got Clayton out there, 30 foot of water, Ken in West Point, same thing, jigging in deep water and they're catching fish. So there's a little something for all of us out there right now. Get out in this beautiful weather and enjoy it and catch some fish. And that's going to be a wrap for the show. If you're enjoying our podcast, please take a minute, leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you listen to it. And if you'd like us to email you the show each and every week, all you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767. And we will email you the show each and every week. Stay safe out there, guys. Enjoy this beautiful state, Alabama. Talk to you next week.